Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. So glad you stopped by. We hope that as you listen to today's sermon, the Holy Spirit through his word will refill you, recharge you, and equip you for the rest of your journey with him. Listen to today's sermon. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this blessed morning, for the privilege of fellowship. We thank you that this gathering is unto you and you alone. We thank you for your mighty presence here with us. Oh, Jesus, we lay our crowns at your feet, King of kings and Lord of lords. Speak to us this morning. Speak to us. Let me just be a conduit, Lord, a vessel you use for your purpose and glory. Father, you know where we hurt. You know where we struggle. You know what we need. Feed us. Feed us, Lord. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, worship team. Amen. We all have to lay our crowns, lay down our crowns at his feet and worship him. Amen. So this year, we enter the year. First, good morning. Oh, morning, morning. Is the is the Ghanaian good morning? Morning, morning. You have to respond, morning. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> good to see you all. Uh, so this year we enter the year talking about effective living uh, based on the prayer of Moses in Psalm 90, and in verse 12 he says, "Teach us to number our days, so we may grow in wisdom, so we may incline our hearts to wisdom." And then we, I mean, we've been delving into that a bit. And one of the books dedicated to wisdom is the book of Proverbs. Proverbs was written by uh, King Solomon, who is believed to be the wisest man who ever lived. And in there are powerful words of wisdom that would offer you guidance any day. So this morning, I want us to look at walking in the power of God's wisdom. You know. It is very, very easy to get caught up in the spiritualization of all scripture, you know, to talk about the spiritual dimensions and the, you know, you know, use some very verbose terminology and make it complicated. But if wisdom stays in the philosophical realm, it doesn't become very ap- applicable to everyday living. And if you look at the Bible and the people for whom the Bible was written, they were farmers, shepherds, fishermen. They were everyday people like you and me who needed wisdom for everyday living. Amen. So the objective is not to get overly intellectual or high sounding. The objective is just to look at what the scriptures teach us and how we can properly walk in God's wisdom. Because it is in walking in God's wisdom that we discover the power of God. Amen. So when you know what God says on any particular matter, you know what the best decision to take is. This is the first thing I want us to think about when we talk about God's wisdom. Sometimes you hear, oh, you know, in James, the, the apostle James, believed to be the brother of Jesus, 
by a very close relative, writes and says, if anyone lacks wisdom, pray and God will give you. He will not rebuke you. He'll give you wisdom. What does it really mean to have wisdom? And I have discovered that wisdom is simply applying the truth God teaches you in every situation in life. In most situations, doesn't matter how complex it seems, you'd find scripture being very, very clear on what the best decision to make is. Most, most, most situations, the Bible is very, very clear. There, there is a, a biblical stance. There is divine counsel God has already given that applies to that situation. And wisdom or godly wisdom is simply walking in that counsel. Psalm 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and upon his law he meditates day and night. That this man will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. You know, we are in Hamilton season. The further up north you go, the more you feel the Hamilton. And it doesn't matter how dry it gets in Hamilton, you would never find a tree by a river that turns brown. Amen. But that is what it means to not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but to walk in the counsel of God, the wisdom of God. Many times the wisdom of God appears foolish to human beings. Many, many times. It doesn't appear as the wisest thing to do. But I have never ever met somebody who walked in divine counsel who looked stupid in the end. Quite often you may look stupid in the beginning. But in the end, you shine. Always. Amen. So the more of God's word you know, the clearer life is. The easier decisions are, the more powerful your faith becomes. Amen. The more of God's word you know. So sometimes we are not sure. But we are not sure because we actually don't know what the Bible teaches on that. How do you get married? To whom do you get married? What are the terms and conditions before marriage, in marriage, after marriage? How should a Christian approach dating? How should a Christian approach business? How do you get into business? Should you be a guarantee or guarantor for somebody you don't know? Should you not? How do you give? Who do you give to? How do you give to the needy, to the rich? How do you build a business? Pretty much, how do you raise children? Good health. How do you work in good health? How do you practice? You know, every everything you can think of the Bible has very, very clear counsel, counsel on it. A lot of the times we struggle because we don't know or we don't find the biblical counsel interesting enough. So what normally happens is uh, if we go to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11, uh, last Monday at prayer meeting, we discussed this. In Proverbs 11, uh, verse 3, sorry, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11, uh, the king writes and says, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. And don't be upset when he corrects you. And we're discussing exactly what is the Lord's discipline. How does God discipline his children? You know, how does he discipline his children? And, you know, it, it was a very good question because Christians hardly ever think about exactly how God disciplines us. So every form of affliction, every form of discomfort, we tend to attribute to satanic oppression. 
anytime things are not going the way, especially in these parts, anytime things are not going the way we want it, the first thing we start doing, binding and losing. And if there is a football field near your house, you're in trouble. 12 midnight, you hear them screaming, fire, 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 fire. But many, many times, not always, but many, many times, the devil has nothing to do with it. It is just the father disciplining you, trying to get you to grow. Many times. Today, I want us to look at two aspects of divine wisdom. That, when, you know, sometimes we think of the wisdom God gives and we want to make it complicated. But the Bible actually simplifies it. So when we get to verse 21 of Proverbs chapter 3, this is what Solomon wrote. He said, my child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Common sense. In Ghana, they say common sense is not common to common people. I'm sure you've heard that before. It's a very typical Ghanaian jargon, you know. When you do something silly, a very good friend of yours will like, common sense is not common to common people. <laughs> but he says, my child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. Common sense and discernment will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. They keep you safe on your way, and your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. You need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked. For the Lord is your security. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. Amen. And all of these blessings he mentions, says they come from don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. What is common sense? Common sense is defined by the dictionary as the basic level of practical knowledge and judgment that we all need to help us live in a reasonable and safe way. Yeah. The basic practical knowledge and judgment you need for everyday living. You know. Discernment, however, simply means good judgment. <laughs> good judgment. And the Bible is telling you that wisdom, the wisdom that God gives, gives you common sense and good judgment. gives you discernment. So people will come and they have this amazing business business proposal and you look at the you know everything that is on paper looks good everything they are saying sounds good but because the spirit of discernment because the holy spirit because you pray every day and say father i don't want to trust in my own understanding please lead me and guide me there'll be a part of you that is telling you uh, take a moment and pause have a second look at this. Do a bit more homework. But sometimes we are in a hurry to close the deal. And so we get burnt. So even though the Bible says that if we hang on to common sense and discernment, it will refresh our souls. Most of us quite often feel dry. We feel thirsty. We feel harassed. We find ourselves in difficult places. Why? The Bible says normally it is because we are not hanging on hard enough to common sense and discernment. So a lot of the troubles we face are avoidable. A lot. Let me give you a very good example of what common sense 
is or is not. So there's a story. This this was a commercial years ago when I worked in advertising, and it won many awards. But this woman calls a a, a hospital helpline that her daughter she saw her daughter eating ants, and she doesn't know what to do. And so the person at the other end says, "Okay, so uh, what have you done so far? What first aid intervention have you done?" And she said, "Well." Because I want to kill the ants my daughter has eaten, I gave her insecticides to drink. <laughs> You're all shaking your head. That obviously is not common sense. <laughs> and another one is a man who wanted to commit suicide. Another commercial. So he walks into this shop and says, Sir, I want to commit suicide. And the man says, Okay, there's a bridge over there. Just go and jump over it. Uh, jump, jump off the bridge. And he says, uh, No, I'm not in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> he said, not so fast. This is where you could get a guy saying, no, 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 that's, that's too violent. Guy says, oh, how about cigarettes? Why don't you try cigarettes? They kill you slowly, you know, you, you know. It's still suicidal, but it's not a rush. <laughs> you take your time and you die slowly. <laughs> it's an award-winning commercial. <laughs> so, you know. And so when you find doctors who are addicted to nicotine or cigarettes, they, they know it's killing them, but yeah, they can take it. It's not, you know, it's suicide, but it's not in your face. You know, it's, it's tolerable. The Bible says it's actually a lack of judgment. <laughs> it is not good judgment. When you know this thing is destroying you, but you won't leave it, you find ways to justify it. The new t- terminology in time, something must kill a man, you know. So <laughs> Something must kill a man, you know. There are three things. So, so the biggest impediment to godly wisdom, and in this particular case, walking in common sense and discernment as God prescribes, the biggest impediment is actually culture. Culture. So the Bible will tell you that for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and to the casting down of every imagination and every high thing that rises against the knowledge of God. And you can always replace the word stronghold with culture because our sense of identity, our sense of self, our sense of value, a lot of it comes from culture. When he says, what is your name? And I say, oh, my name is Nana Kufi. You hear Nana, you hear Kufi. You know I'm Ghanaian. But what does it mean to be Ghanaian? Being Ghanaian also means that, and no offense to my fellow Ghanaians, but being Ghanaian also means that if you tell me that, Nana Kufi, uh, we have a meeting at 2 o'clock, you should make allowance for me to arrive at 2, 2.33. Or maybe 2, 2.33, And the bigger I am, you know, the big man, you know, the bigger a big man I am, the more the allowance. So if the president, if you have a meeting with the president of Ghana for 3 o'clock, you should expect that since he's a very, very big man, the president of the nation will show up at 6, 6.37 for a 3 o'clock meeting. And if it's around election season, you should expect that he'll meet you at 11, 12.30, 1 a.m. 
And when he walks in, you should be grateful that he actually has made time to meet you for an originally 3 p.m. meeting. Because my name is Nonakufi, I am Ghanaian. And you notice when you live in this culture, it's not a big deal to be late. I mean, it's... You should understand now, there is no hurry in Africa. You know? And then you discover that when Obama was president, he was famous for showing up 15 minutes early to every meeting. He wasn't the president of Ghana. He was president of the nation Ghana goes begging from. And he shows up 15 minutes. To meet you, he shows up 15 minutes early. And he, and he doesn't have V8. Huh? He's not coming with a V8. In fact, 40 V8s in a, you know, pushing all the vehicles away because he remembered at 3 o'clock that he had a 1 o'clock meeting. So they have to bully every car on the road and let the sirens bleat and they are already late. It's not a problem until you have an emergency and your doctor is a Ghanaian. And he does Ghana time. Or as a Ghanaian, you have to catch a flight and your pilot is not Ghanaian <laughs> and he's on time. How many times do you see people running at the airport? <laughs> when I got to understand that, being late is the quickest way to lose trust. It shook me. When I got to understand that when I show up late, it means that I'm not in control of my time. It means that I don't respect other people's time. And it probably means that I'm not professional enough to do the work I'm being hired to do. I was surprised. Because it spoke against the culture I'd grown up in where time wasn't a big deal. Like, no, I'm a nice person. I'm very professional. It's just that I'm Ghanaian, so I happen to be late sometimes. Say, hey, no, 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 no. If we're truly professional, you stick to our agreement. Because if you can disrespect the time we agreed on, what else in the contract will you disrespect? So all of a sudden, you realize being late is a big deal. And sometimes I know that, depending on your circumstances, being on time can be very hard. You know, last night when I was going to bed, I had three children. Last night. As of last night, I had three children. I had one wife. The distance from my house to this place is 30 kilometers. So it's quite a distance. As of last night, the distance was 30 kilometers. When I woke up this morning, I still had three children. I had one wife. The distance from my house to this place is 30 kilometers. So if I knew by last night that I have an appointment with Jesus for 9 a.m. here, not, not with Nanakufio, with Jesus. Say, Lord, I'm coming to worship you and I'm coming to meet you at 9. I, I knew, as of last night, I knew every condition and circumstance of my, my life, I knew. When I woke up this morning, none of it had changed. So when I show up at 9.01 and God is already here waiting, but he says, no, God knows I'm Ghanaian. He understands. Amen.
Amen. <laughs> Listen, when I, when I say this, you see, I include myself in it because sometimes I get sloppy. Sometimes I'm late. Amen. And I drive like, you know, like I hope nobody from the church would see me on the road when I'm running late and I'm driving recklessly. You know, because I live in the culture. So even though I know better, there are times when I get caught. Especially when I show up on time and the person pulls the whole Ghanaian thing on me. And then I'll be there waiting for this person. And I'm already thinking of canceling the next appointment or shifting the next appointment forward because somebody did 2, 233 on me. So to walk in godly wisdom, in common sense, and in discernment, it sounds very, very simple until you realize that what God really wants you to do is to lift you out of your culture and shift you into his culture and help you live by his standards, not your culture standard. One time I watched Usain Bolt race, okay? When most of us are racing, when I was a kid and, you know, they would draw the line and in Ghana, instead of on your mark, this is your onomes or anomes. So it's an anomes, get set, pee, and then we take off. What you do is that you look on your shoulder. You look on your shoulder to see who is catching up or who is getting ahead of you. And what we used to do was to make sure that we beat whoever is trying to catch us by the shoulder by a few steps. So we win. But when you see Bolt is racing, and I watched him race, he never looks at anybody around him. There is a clock ahead of him, and he fixes his eyes on the clock. Amen. The standard of God is like that clock. So Usain Bolt is not tempted by the speed at which his competitors are racing. <laughs> they are not his measure. They are not his standard. The clock is his standard. He has a world record to break. He knows which record he set the last time. And that is what he's racing against. Amen. Amen. So when Jesus saved us, when he adopted us, as part of this whole adoption package where we are no longer slaves to sin, we are now children of the Most High God, we are now the chosen generation, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, the people he's called out of darkness into his marvelous light, the, the beneficiaries of all the great promises of God. For us to fully manifest every blessing in God, every promise in him, every hope, every joy, for us to become fully who he says we are, we must set our eyes on him and on his standards. Amen. If we keep looking around, listen, if you start working with God in no time, you'll be better than most of the people in your family. You don't have to even practice a lot of what he teaches, you know. All of a sudden, you are more straight to the point and you're honest and you're polite because he guides you, he teaches you. So if that was your competition, you will never become who he really called you or chose you to become. So the king wrote and he said, my son, my daughter, let common sense and discernment guide you. Hang on to them because you can lose them. He says, hang on to them. The other thing and the last one is that we don't have a culture of forthrightness. You know? And that is against what God teaches us. The most difficult thing for the Ghanaian to say to somebody they respect or like is no. 
So you enter their office because they don't want to lend anymore to anybody. So, but it's hard sometimes. So they write for credit come tomorrow. <laughs> what is for credit come tomorrow? So that if you come back tomorrow, they will say again for credit come tomorrow. In other words, every day come tomorrow. Why can't you just say no? In Matthew 5.37, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything apart from that is not from God. Be forthright. You can't give them the loan. Tell them. Nicely, but tell them. You don't think they are qualified for the job. Help them by telling them the truth. I'm like, oh, your CV is amazing, but no, at this moment, we don't really have any vacancy, you know, and uh, yeah, but yeah. No, tell them the truth. Young man, you look very, very promising, but you're not qualified for this. If you can work on, considering that you showed up for the interview late, we don't think you'll be somebody who has respect for our values and our time, because we had an arrangement and you disrespected it, so we can't hire you. Tell them. Help them. When you catch uh, one of my children has a way of saying yes and no at the same time. If he wants to say a no but he knows the proper thing to say is yes, he says yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Can you hurry up so we live on time? But maybe he wants to play a game like yes <laughs> and his heart it's a no <laughs> yes how many times do we say yes as Ghanaians in fact when Jacob was on his deathbed and he was blessing his children he got to one and he told him because you are as unstable as water you will not prevail that was a curse said because you are unstable as water and then in James James spoke about the same thing said a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways and such a one cannot receive from God they are like a radio with a broken antenna they can't catch the signal God is transmitting every favor every grace every blessing God is transmitting but we can't we can't we can't receive because in the culture, it's normal. But you are not of this culture. Amen. You may have a Ghanaian name. You may have a Ghanaian accent. Maybe your name is Yamansa Bebrese. What, what, a very, very Ghanaian name. But you are not of this culture. On the day you gave your life to Christ, the Bible says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. What does it mean to be a new person in Christ? It means that by my example, by my choices, by my living, somebody should be able to see Christ in me. And the Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. It's easy to think about these things only in heavenly terms and to spiritualize them. But they're actually very, very practical. Very, very practical. This year is our year of walking in wisdom. To teach us to number our days so we may incline our hearts to wisdom. And the Bible says very, very clearly that when we walk in divine wisdom, 
Life is easier. We will sleep, we'll go to bed and we'll not be afraid. <laughs> we will not be traumatized. You know, we are not afraid because, because things are ordered. He says they will refresh your soul and they will keep you safe on your way. Ghanaian, 80 years old, they haven't done a will. Because to do a will means, hey, I'm coming to die. And their spouse can't ask them if they've done a will because then they'll say, you are greedy, you want me to die so you inherit. Meanwhile, in other cultures, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds have wills and they update them as their circumstances in life change. Or, or you think you're going to live forever. So they die and then everything they worked to build is scattered. The children and grandchildren spend time in courts. 30 years, 40 years. There are properties you see deteriorating all over Accra. And most of it is litigation. Eh? Because somebody died and didn't... I mean, the lawyers know this very well. Didn't do a will. This morning, I mean, the objective is to equip you, equip us, me included, so that we can live effectively. Amen. And this morning, I, I had three things in mind, but at least we spoke about the thing about being punctual because it shows that you have your life together, that you're focused, that you're professional, and that you can be trusted. If, you, if I can trust you to show up on time, it means I can trust you with other things. Amen. And the other one about being forthright. If you don't like it, say it. If you like it, say it. Let them know. When we take these things seriously, they are, they are simple life lessons. But if I had known some of these things earlier, I probably would have had a better career. Because most people won't tell you why they recommended somebody else. But most of the time, it's because they felt you can't be trusted. You go and embarrass them. Let's bow down our heads in prayer. Father, we want to see your power. And this morning you're telling us that the power of your wisdom is manifested in we practically walking in your truth. May you help us. Lord, help us rise above our culture. Help us rise above our social programming. Even our religious programming. Help us become everything you say we can become. Make us into who you've made us to be, Lord. And may you be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless you. We hope this sermon blessed you. If it did, will you consider sharing it with a friend? And if you're in Accra looking for a spirit-filled community to worship with, why don't you join us at Mikado Plaza, the Bonnie Junction, Accra, on Sundays from 9 to 10.30 a.m. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Accra Church and visit our website, accrachurch.org, for more sermons. God bless you.